Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Welcome to the Life and Limb podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. This is episode 11 of this show. God damn, I can't believe this is 11 episodes already. That's kind of crazy, but I'm rolling right along. It's been a lot of fun. Um, as always, really appreciate the support and the response to this show. Um, whether you listening, uh, listen on SoundCloud or on iTunes, just appreciate having you here. Um, and uh, just in case you don't know, if you're just listening, you know, randomly on iTunes, the, the website for the show is lifeandlimb.com. If you want to le- learn a little bit more about it, um, you can go there and check that out and see past episodes. But I suppose you could probably do that on iTunes as well. But just like to throw, I don't really promote this show on this show that much because I feel like maybe I don't need to. But lifeandlimb.com is the website and you can follow um, for uh, more consistent updates uh, on Twitter at lifeandlimb. And uh, yeah, so that's that's that. Uh, music at the beginning of the show, as always, is the song Life and Limb by the band Fugazi, used with permission. Thanks, as always, to Fugazi and Ian Mackay. And um, yeah, so my my uh, guests today on episode 11 are uh, Ryan and Tina Smaker. And Ryan and Tina are um, two really, really great people who contribute a lot uh, to the creative community, as it were. Um, they run a site called thegreatdiscontent.com, and uh, they've been doing this now for a couple years, and it's essentially interviews, and uh, The Great Discontent, um, you know, has become, in my mind, kind of the gold standard um, for interviews with people, at least in the written word. Um, you know, if you want to go read an interview with somebody who is, um, you know, an artist or designer or musician, um, it's, it's funny the amount of crossover that there is already and will be between both between Life and Limb and The Great Discontent. Um, we have a lot of the same friends and uh, interests in a lot of the same people, myself and Ryan and Tina. And uh, yeah, so I've already interviewed a handful of people who have already done interviews with Great Discontent as well. But um, obviously, the podcast being different, different than a written interview, it's very different, um, different kind of format. But uh, they they do an excellent job. Um, they really, um, as far as professionalism goes, and as far as keeping things updated, and as far as just a, a really tight, pulled together look. Um, in my in my opinion, there's really none better. And, um, they just, they just continue to deliver and they just do an awesome, awesome job. So, um, but a big part of what, uh, we talk about, uh, well, you know, we talk a lot about how the great discontent got started and, um, just kind of what it's like to have a curiosity of other people and an interest in other people and their, their work and, and what it is that they make. Just like I do with this show, I talk to them a lot about that. And so we'll speak about how they kind of got started and the early days of the great discontent and what kind of led them to do that. And then more recently, and in fact, kind of what they're in the midst of right now um, is working on, they've both recently left their full-time day jobs to really focus on the great discontent full-time, which is really awesome to me. Um, I just find uh, it to be a really cool, inspiring thing when anybody leaves uh, the safety of a full-time job to go do what sort of their their passion project is. And that's really what they're doing right now in a nutshell. Um, but a huge, huge part of what they're doing right now is a Kickstarter that they're running. Um, as I record this, uh, February 18th at uh, 12 a.m., uh, they have 15 days to go. So this is the midway point. Um, they're trying to raise $100,000 to be able to to um, do this magazine project, and that will go towards production of this huge, huge magazine and paying for the design and printing and 
everything that they need to really start this thing the right way. Um, and what's really awesome is they already have almost 1,300 backers. They're at $51,663. So they're more than halfway, 15 days to go. Um, I'm really hoping that they're going to make it to that. Um, and just to right off the bat, if you're interested um, and you want to donate um, or you just want to get familiar and read about what they're doing a little bit more as you listen to the interview, um, you can go to magazine.thegreatdiscontent.com and that'll take you directly to the Kickstarter. And if you want to just go to thegreatdiscontent.com, that's where you can see all the interviews they do, like their archive of interviews, more about Ryan and Tina and everything. Um, yeah, so that's that's where you can go to check out if you're not already familiar. But um, anyways, I uh, really enjoy talking to these guys. They do interviews. Uh, I love doing interviews. Just a really great, big fascination of other people and talking with other people, learning about other people. That was kind of the theme of the interview I wanted to do with Ryan and Tina, and it was just really fun to talk with them. So um, yeah, that's it. Uh, lifeandlimb.com, at lifeandlimb is the Twitter, and thegreatdiscontent.com, that's Ryan and Tina. So without further ado, my conversation with Ryan and Tina Smaker, please enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today I am joined by Ryan and Tina Smaker of The Great Discontent and many other things. How are you guys? We're doing well. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. This is uh, the second interview I've done today, so I'm kind of like I got interviews on the brain. I guess that's perfect. I'd be talking to you guys. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how are you guys doing? What's uh, you got? You guys are. It's so it's the day before uh, Valentine's Day right now. It's February thirteenth. You guys are getting pretty hammered with snow out there right now. Is that right? In New York. Yeah, we had some overnight, but we're from Michigan, so you know yeah, it's, it's it, it doesn't seem like that much snow. <laughs> yeah. <to us>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been through it a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, it was really coming down this morning, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. Do you guys get sick of it, or do you feel like uh, being? Well, I know you do. <laughs> we, everyone does. But you yeah, guys, it's part of the reason we moved from Michigan to get a light away from the cold. And it's a little bit more mild here in New York, but we're mm -hmm. pretty fed up with it right now. We actually yeah. we booked like last minute reward tickets to LA to get some sunshine next week. Nice. <laughs> so you're going next week? Yeah. yeah. Nice. I wish it was this week, but <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I've been toying with the idea of like doing something last minute this weekend because Holly has off Monday, but um, just with Valentine's Day and like super last minute, there's just nothing. I have a friend who's doing standby tomorrow, but that's about it. So I feel like unless you really go ahead of time or you're willing to take the bottom of the barrel at this point for this weekend, probably a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. So Could you hear uh, sirens in the background. I can uh, hear sirens in the New background. York City, so yeah, no, no, that. no. That sets the tone. Sets the. Uh, you guys are. Uh, you know, New York City, I can hear it in the background. Maybe I'll just add in another track of siren car audio in the background. <laughs> we'll just really keep it going the whole time. Okay, so I just wanted to start off and ask you guys the really, the basic stuff and kind of get it out of the way. So right off the bat, uh, how would you explain what it is that you both do to someone who really has never met you guys? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the age old question. Yes. It's getting harder and harder to define, I yeah. think, what what we do. And I think a lot of us that either work on the internet or do a lot of like digital things, it's getting harder to define. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but I think in the context of like the great discontent, what we normally say is that we publish a, a web magazine or a digital magazine. Uh, but now even uh, with us uh, trying to go to print uh, with our first issue, I guess it's more of just publishing a magazine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a tough question. I actually had to serve on jury duty last week and I was selected to sit on the jury and I had to run through a bunch of questions uh, in front of everybody and answer them. And one of the questions was, you know, like, are you employed? And if so, what do you do? And I was like, uh, uh, like really quickly off the top of my head, trying to think how to explain it without right. uh, confusing people or sounding like I'm just making something up. <laughs> right. So I, I said, my husband and I run a creative studio. Um, and then, you know, that was it. Yeah. I feel like for those types of things where it's like formal and you have to write down what you do, like, or it's, yeah, something like that in a jury situation or something like I always give the most banal, like just kind of run of the mill answer, because I know if I start trying to over explain myself, like, (laughs) well, so I'm a designer, but I'm not like a normal graphic designer. Like I do more like art kind of stuff. Just like they don't give a, just like, just say a thing. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that you guys refer to it though as a, uh, what did you say? A creative? I said a creative studio. A creative studio. And then the way you described the great discontent, um, like a digital, you don't call it like an interview site. You call it like a digital magazine or a publication. Yeah. I mean, the original t- intention when we started it was not to only do interviews. You know, we wanted to do articles and stuff, but it turned out that doing these long form interviews were a lot more work than we ever really imagined. So uh-huh. that's basically just what we focused on. Yeah. And I think it's good that we did focus on that for as long as we have, but mm-hmm. we'd definitely be doing some more, you know, some more articles and right. stuff for it. So, yeah. So when you guys got started with the great discontent, um, well actually here, let me, um, start off a little before that you guys are both from or at least lived in for a while Michigan right mm-hmm. yeah we were both born there and had lived there up until two years ago mm-hmm. okay so do you guys both have creative backgrounds do you both come from creative type families or did you grow up like you know drawing and everything I mean I know you both do your own things besides just you know a great discontent in interviewing people obviously you're both designers as well but has it always kind of been in your in your blood so to speak? Um, I think it has for me. I was creative growing up. Like I was, um, I drew a lot. I liked painting. I liked singing. Um, and even though my family wasn't super creative in those ways, they always encouraged me to do those things. Um, took a lot of art classes all throughout school and even, um, was planning on majoring in fine art in college. But then, you know, in Michigan with like the economy and just the opportunities there, I decided to, um, switch my focus and I got a degree in social work. So my educational training is actually in social work. I have a bachelor's from Wayne State University in Detroit and I worked with runaway and homeless youth for 12 years. So I, I did that as a day job and then on the side, you know, did creative things when I could or, you know, when I had the energy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I, and I guess for me, like, I mean, like growing up as a kid, I always, I remember drawing a lot. Um, and then once I was a teenager, I got into music. So like music just took over any, anything creative for me, like all through my teenage years. Mm-hmm. That's also kind of how I got into doing design too, is, you know, just be recording, you know, little, uh, EPs and stuff on, and, you know, this little makeshift home studio that I had created and, uh, you know, would do, uh, the design for, these cheesy album covers or posters for bands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, a lot of it was just kind of like cut and paste. Like it was a lot of physical stuff that I would then go to the library and like scan in. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, like these collages basically. Um, so yeah, that, that 
uh, then later turned into, uh, you know, doing more design uh, professionally and some development. Mm -hmm. And uh, before doing The Great Discontent, I had my own little design and development, like one person design development shop uh, in Michigan for five or six years, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's pretty obvious then why you guys sort of lean towards the types of people that you do. Um, you know, general creative types, whether it's music or art or anything. I mean, it's pretty, um, it's, it's nice to do a project that you, your goal is to just interview like creative type people. You know, when I started Life and Limb, um, you know, I, my goal was to not pigeonhole it just to a design or art podcast uh, or anything, but obviously by nature of what I do, that really influences it. So it skews heavy towards those types of people. Um, and it makes it probably the easiest for me to ask questions to those types of people. But yet I really, I haven't done too many that are way, way outside of that realm yet, but it's definitely my goal to do more of that. And I think those are the biggest challenge type interviews, but it always is helpful to, you know, kind of start with the people that you know, which is one of the questions I wanted to ask you about when you guys first got started. Um, I mean, why, like, why interviews? Why, like, why, uh, why do this at all? Why the great discontent? Um, you know, what was, what was it that kind of started this all for you guys? Hmm. Do you want to answer that? Mm, I'll answer why interviews and you can answer why the great discontent. Okay. Deal. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> husband and wife negotiating. <laughs> in <action. laughs> So when we started the magazine, we, you know, we had talked about doing a print magazine when we were dating and then we decided to do it online because, you know, it, it was, it would take less, resources and time to get it up there. And we had talked about doing a whole site with articles and a blog and interviews. And we ended up stripping it down because we were thinking about who would create all that content. And we, you know, we were both working full-time jobs and right. we didn't have enough time um, to create all of the content that we wanted to feature on the site. So we stripped it down to interviews. And I think we chose interviews because we're both really curious and we both grew up wanting to do something creative for a living, but we didn't have very many people around us who were doing something creative for a living. And so I think it was a way for us to reach out and connect with people who we had respected and admired and, you know, find out about things beyond like the tools and process, find out about their actual path and, um, you know, just kind of like the things that make them tick sure. and, um, so I think it was like a way for us to connect with other creative people. And, you know, I think it gave us a lot of hope coming from um, an area where there wasn't a lot of like, you know, people who weren't working in creative disciplines, um, not like you see in New York City or elsewhere. Like, uh -huh. you know, we came from the Midwest. Right. And we weren't really encouraged to like grow up and be an artist. So connecting <laughs> with people who are actually making a living doing creative things um, was like really encouraging for us. Sure. And I, I think it started out as that. And then I think it, you know, it has encouraged other people as well. Our, our community of readers send us notes all the time saying, you know, wow, I, I live in this isolated area and reading this interview with so-and-so really encouraged me because, you know, they were born where I live or they were, um, you know, they didn't start off as this really creative person. Sure. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I think people love to... Um, one of the best things about doing a project like what you guys do is the fact that you are opening doors to people who might otherwise not be discovering 
this stuff. I mean, for me, when I was discovering things, was at a weird time. It was like when I was discovering kind of the outside world of art and design, you know, I was probably 15, 16 and, and, you know, you know, the internet was still pretty young and, and I just, at, so at one point, like I just started kind of just, dis- I would discover one artist and then I would discover another artist by clicking a link on their site. And then it just opened this whole kind of at the time, very small world, but still a world that was out there of all these artists who were freelancing or doing things on their own. And, and as a kid from the suburbs of Chicago, I wasn't really in Chicago. It wasn't a part of my life, at least really. And it just started, it was super inspiring. And I think that's the cool thing. I mean, you guys are definitely, like you said, um, instrumental in introducing people uh to these things opening the doors letting people relate to other people and yeah that's it's great to hear and it's i think it's one of the funnest most intriguing aspects of running a project like this so and then ryan i know you're going to talk about why the great discontent maybe a little bit about the name how that kind of originally came to be yeah sure um so i guess there's this this overall thing at least with me and i feel like um, Tina's a little bit like this, maybe not so intense as me, but, um, like I'm never really content doing stuff. Like I always want to be doing more or, you know, I want to be doing something else, mm-hmm. uh, pushing myself further. Right. Um, and I know most, you know, creative artist type people are like that. Uh, it's just that, that drive to like, you know, do more that you're just not satisfied, um, with either the work that you're doing or just kind of the type of stuff that you're doing. Um, so uh, one of my mentors several years ago, just a personal mentor said, you know, he like knew, knew that about me and understood that. And he's like, he's like, you have to learn how to be content in your discontent. I was like, what, what the hell does that mean? You know? And, yeah. and then I thought about it for a little while and it started to make sense. It started to make sense to me as far as, um, you know, what he meant. And that was that you, you can't be trapped by that, that feeling of dissatisfaction or discontent. you have to be okay with the fact that you're never really going to be fully satisfied and you have to let that pull you forward, um, and not bring you down. Hmm. And so that was the whole idea, I guess, like, or like the name, the great discontent came out of that because I feel like the, the great discontent is like that drive that pushes all of us to create more, better work. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think without that, we would just be lazy, lazy bums and our asses and not really, innovate. Yeah, that's a great story. Honestly, I, I think I always just sort of uh, accepted that the name was The Great Discontent and didn't ask questions and hadn't read <laughs> read up about it. And I was like, cool, that's just what it's called. Um, did you guys go through the uh, sort of um, trial and error of picking a bunch of different names like any band or person with a new project would do? And like, or was it always The Great Discontent for you? Um, I think maybe I had like one name or something before that, but at least there was a, like yeah. a brainstorming session and that was the one that mm-hmm. stuck out and we're like, all right, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. It was, just, it just, we said it and it felt right. We're yeah. like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so you didn't have like a list of other names that are really embarrassing that I could get you to read off. It wasn't like uh, dynamic interviews.com <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> no. Good. I think, I think Ryan had a name that he really liked and he, he wanted to use it for something. And I, was well, like, I still own all the domains. And I was so like, no, that really doesn't fit what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's a funny thing, especially when you're picking a name for something now, I feel like so much of that has to do with, you know, is the domain name available? Is this a thing already? And I guess it's nice because the greatest contents a pretty unique 
term. It's I feel like it's not like a really super common phrase. So the fact that you got it, I mean, you can really own it when something is unique. It has its own ring to it. You don't have to compete with anything else. So props to you guys for having come up with something that wasn't <laughs> a thing or can't really be, it can't really be confused with anything. Like I think the great discontent and I, it doesn't remind me of anything else. And I think that's a success in itself. <laughs> cool. um, so August 29th, 2011, do you, what's the significance of that date? Do you guys know? Uh, well, it was supposed to launch a few weeks earlier than that, but uh, it was just a. Was it a Tuesday? Or was it, I think that might have actually been a Monday. Oh, I, I don't think it was a Tuesday. Uh, but we had we kept pushing back the publish date, like the actual release date, and so it, it was meant to be the beginning of August, and then it just wound up being the end of August. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so a, there's no, nothing really significant about it, it. It was a Monday. It was also the day that you guys published your very first interview with Dan Rubin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said in that interview, or at least in the introduction to that interview, that uh, he guaranteed his would be the longest interview. Um, <laughs> I I am sure that that did not hold true, but uh, or, or or did it? That is not the longest interview you guys have no, done, right? No, it's no, definitely not. Um, I think the longest, uh, not written, but you know, like the longest interview that we've conducted was probably Rosie Thomas. Okay, um, the musician Rosie Thomas, and I got. I got on the phone with her and her agent connected us and said, you'll have half an hour. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes you can stretch it to 40 minutes. <laughs> and, and then if I can stretch it to 40, I can stretch it to 45. And I get, if I get 45, I can usually get everything answered. Right. And um, Ryan wasn't in on this interview. So that meant it was going to be even quicker because uh, <laughs> he likes to distract sometimes. And, and it's good. Um, and so the you know, her manager got on the phone and was like, oh, time's up. One more question and <laughs> got off the phone. She was like, well, I really am not in a hurry and I don't have anywhere to be. And so we continued to talk for a couple hours. So it was like, it was like <laughs> three and, and man- a half hours. Wow. And the manager was <laughs> yeah. like, shit, I just totally got like a power. I just totally got like my power sucked out of me like in one little instance right there. I think that most like music managers do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's to kind of protect the artist because if it winds up being a really awkward conversation, they know that it won't have to last any longer than 30 minutes. Right. So they can pop in and then if they don't mind, Mm -hmm. they they usually will stay on longer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just did an interview with Lissy as well, who's up on the site uh, this week. And she, it was the same with her, you know, the manager popped on and then she's like, well, I'm not in a hurry and continue to talk for like an hour. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you guys if you have any, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask one. Actually, one thing I refuse to ask anybody I have on here is who's your inspiration? I absolutely, <laughs> I, I absolutely hate that question. I think we even talked about it before. Um, but it's creative true. types, uh, musicians, artists, um, just anybody, there's always like the, who's your inspiration question or what's your, what inspires you? And I just hate that. Um, <laughs> I do want to know, however, um, are there any people who conduct interviews, like any people, you know, who do interviews or who, um, you know, ask other people questions for a living who um, have really left a mark with you guys? And and I guess um, p- part of kind of the way I want to almost like skew it is to be really honest about some of the things that have inspired me in doing this um, is, you know, stuff that you wouldn't really think of. Like a lot of people since I've been doing this have brought up NPR stuff and Terry Gross and Ira Glass. And like, I honestly, like hundred percent, honestly have hardly 
listen to any NPR in my life. Um, I feel like that's same here. I feel like that's like saying I don't like Wes Anderson. You know, like the <laughs> the people listening to this are probably like, oh, how can he not? You know, but like honestly, most of the stuff that has inspired me on an interview level um, or has really stuck with me is a lot of sports radio and a lot of. Um, you know, I don't know. That's just a lot of what I listen to when I work and, and whatnot. And then there's a guy named Nardwar. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nardwar at all. Mm-hmm. You, I'll, I'll send you the link afterwards. If nobody, if you're not <laughs> familiar with Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, he's a Vancouver based uh, j- music journalist and he interviews musicians and uh, is the most fascinating thing to watch because he is the most um, unbelievable preparer, preparer for interviews. He asked uh, questions of people where it just blows their mind that he knows this stuff. And it's just really fascinating. And he's really pushed me actually by watching his interviews to get better and do better research and stuff. Anyways, all that said, since this is, I'm sorry, this is not about, (laughs) (laughs) not about me, but, um, I was just setting the stage. Are there any people like that for you guys that have been like, man, we got to get as good as them when it comes to talking to people and asking questions? Uh, for me, I, I don't read many interviews or even listen to many. I intentionally try not to because I don't want to be comparing. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of like sites or even like radio shows or anything that that we listen to to kind of like brush up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like before we started TGD, I remember like I would read a lot of interviews online. Um, a lot, a lot of like photographer interviews. I forget the name of some of the sites, but they would do these shorter interviews. But since then, since we started the site, I haven't really um, kept up with anything. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we always joke about this, but the only interviewer that comes to mind is Barbara Walters. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up watching her interview celebrities and, um, you know, basically making them cry and getting them to spill <laughs> their guts to her on national television. So I think she's like the only person I can think of. Yeah. I could think of like, I remember like television stuff inspiring me, you know, younger, like just watching television, seeing stuff like 2020 or whatever. Uh Um, and now I think like if we'll, and we don't really watch like regular TV, we'll just do iTunes and Netflix and stuff. But like if some of the TV is on and and we see an interview, like I'll I'll think about it then and just like kind of pick apart what they're doing and like learn some stuff. But it's never like intentional, like Mm -hmm. making sure we watch something, you know, on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. I think I I like answers like Barbara Walters or I mean, for me, even like I had not that long ago saw saw, um, a documentary on Johnny Carson. It was on Netflix and it was just really amazing. I mean, I think uh, interviewing can be such a, um, it can be done so poorly. And I've had interviews done with me that were really bad. And I just thought, man, like you had an opportunity to ask someone questions and you just threw out like the five to 10 most lame things that you could come up with. And I just always feel like it's a missed opportunity. And uh, I think that's one thing you guys have done really well is just really craft, um, you know, really just craft questions and come up with stuff um, to ask people. And I just think, I don't know, I just, I do think it's an art. I do think it's something that takes a while to get good at. It takes a lot of time and effort to be good at interviewing. You don't just simply sit down and spitball and like hope for the best. You got to interview, uh, yeah, sorry, you have to research the person you're interviewing and, and go into it knowing stuff about them um, that gets them excited to talk and try and bring the best out of them. Um, 
So I guess kind of what I wanted to uh, ask, you know, in, in that regard is how do you guys prepare um, when you're about to interview somebody? Do you, I mean, how much research, how much like, you know, how many questions do you try and aim for? Um, you know, how dig, how deep do you dig that kind of stuff to, um, c- come up with questions to get stuff out of people that will make for an interesting read? I'll answer part of it. Tina probably better with some of the research stuff, but, um, we've ever since we started, we've had basically the same list of questions. We've cut out a few over the years, mm-hmm. um, and kind of tweak some stuff. Um, but we, we basically follow the same format for every single interview. And I think that's part of the reason why we've gotten good at it. Um, but really I think the biggest thing during the interview is just kind of like feeling where the conversation is going and it's more just kind of relating to the person. Yeah. Um, but most of the questions are pretty generic in nature. Like it's not like specific, you know, like what was your inspiration for painting this particular piece? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it cuts down on some of the research, um, but it doesn't mean we don't do some cause we definitely do. Yeah. I mean, we definitely do some research. I think though, for me as an interview, as an interviewer, sometimes it's nice to be surprised by Mm -hmm. what the subject says. So we like to do some research to make sure that they'll they'll be a good fit for the site and for our audience. But, um, you know, I don't try to like dive too deep. I want to be surprised by some of the things they say and I'm a pretty spontaneous person. So, you know, we have our general list of questions that we ask, but if something comes up and it feels like a good direction to go in, we'll definitely go in that direction and see what comes out of it. And sometimes it's the best part of the interview. And other times it just becomes, you know, side conversation that maybe doesn't go in the final piece. Right. Yeah. So you guys, uh, I mean, I did an interview with you guys pretty, it was pretty early on. I mean, it it was a while back. (laughs) Um, And uh, we did it over a video chat, I think on Skype, correct? (laughs) Yep. So do you, do you tend to do all your interviews over a video chat for the most part? We try to, or in person. In person is definitely the best, um, but we definitely try to do a video if we can't do in person. Um, mainly because there's so much that gets lost when you can't see body language and yeah, whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we found that it's it's incredibly helpful to to be able to communicate visually that way. Sure. Um, no, I want to ask who was the first interview that you guys did with someone who you really didn't know and you had to introduce yourself to like, Hey, we run this site. You want to, will you, would you be willing to do an interview? Um, because I feel like at least for me, I've started off doing interviews with people who I'm really familiar with. Um, I needed a way to ease into this. I wasn't going to try and kid myself any other way about it. Um, so I'm curious, uh, how many interviews was it with people that you guys already had relationships with until you kind of um, kind of took the next step and introduced yourself to people um, that you didn't already know? Um, probably the third one. The first two, I'm yeah. looking at the archive right now. Uh, Dan and Francesca knew both of them, at least online. Uh, Lisa Solberg, she was the first artist that we did. Um, yeah, I mean, that was probably the first time we mm-hmm. asked, you know, just kind of like, cold email. And I think we hadn't even launched the site. Like, No, we hadn't. So what we did was in preparation um, of launching the site, we had a list of people we would reach out to who we had known just from interacting with them online through Twitter or whatever. And we thought, okay, these people will probably say yes. But we also had a list of people whose work we just really enjoyed, like Lisa Solberg, who's an LA-based artist and 
um, does these really amazing paintings. So she was someone we just emailed and said, Hey, we like your work. We have this site. It's interviews. Um, will you, uh, do an interview with us? And she said, yes. It's a, it's a weird thing, you know, to interview somebody who you haven't really ever had a conversation with before. I feel like, I mean, in my experience so far, the most comfortable I've been is with the people who I'm closest with. Um, because I know their, their, um, the, the tone of voice and I know all that stuff, but I guess what's different for you guys than like doing what I'm doing here. That's something live and recorded and it just gets thrown up. And if there's mistakes mm-hmm. or whatever, you just live with it. Um, mm-hmm. is that you go then go and transcribe these interviews. Um, that, that had to have been, I think you mentioned it already, but I mean, that's, that's gotta be one of the biggest time sucks, right? I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. that, that's a, <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> do you still do it on your own now? Yeah, actually, um, well, it takes, I mean, for me, when I was starting out, it would take like, you know, eight plus hours for me to transcribe it all and edit and refine. I mean, and I'm a perfectionist. (laughs) So, um, and still I sometimes, you know, don't catch everything. Um, but now I'm, I'm probably down to like four hours total from like transcribing and then editing. And then we pass it along to the person who's being interviewed. They get a chance to review it. They send any edits back. I, you know, add those edits in review it a few more times and then Ryan and I finalize it together. He reads it over. We have to add captions and you know, all that stuff. But I am very, very lucky because now I have an intern. Her name's Tammy and she's in Portland and she is a designer by day. And then in addition, she interns with me and she's been transcribing a lot of interviews lately and she's getting really good at it. And it has cut my workload in half and it's just been absolutely amazing. So if anyone out there is considering getting an intern, just do it because you'll be so glad that you did. <laughs> I've had so many times over the years where I've been like, oh, an intern would be great right now. And then I finish up whatever it is I was working on that would have required the use mm-hmm. of an intern. And then I'm like, I wouldn't have anything for them to do right now except like pour me a bowl of cereal and I don't want to do that. <laughs> So I just keep skipping out on it. Um, <laughs> But uh, okay, so I think an interesting thing about the fact that you guys are designers yourselves, and then this is your baby, this is your project, obviously, then is the design of the site, um, and the design of the great discontent, the brand, the feel of the whole thing, you know, you get to control um, 100% of what it is that the great discontent looks and feels like. Um, The current, the current state of the site is really wonderful. I think it's great. I think it looks so nice and, and pretty and it's just very clean um what's uh it was is, is the site that we see you can go see right now um still kind of the original thing that you guys put up in the first place or has it gone through any phases or um what's yeah. been like the look and feel of the great discontent from day one of, up until right now like the the journey that that's gone through well, Ryan's going to answer that, but first, I don't design. I just want to clarify. <laughs> okay, you <laughs> do draw, I, though. You do draw, and you draw really cool animals that wear glasses. I do, I, I do draw. <laughs> I don't draw on the computer. I'll just say that. <laughs> I play with words. That's my thing. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, the what you see now at the site is pretty much what it was when we launched it three years ago. Um, at the time, I think it was a little... It, kind of pushed the boundaries because nobody was doing, or I shouldn't say nobody, but not many people are doing like crazy full bleed stuff like that on the web. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's made it hold up a little bit longer uh, because we did some crazy stuff initially, but I'm 
in the middle of doing a refresh right now and I'm really excited to kind of like start adding some different sections and uh, we want to get like an actual blog on there so we can do some more short form stuff and uh, just make it a better experience all around and, and get people kind of like going from interview to interview. Uh-huh. Cause right now they're all just like really just a bunch of islands. There's not a way, you know, like a great way to go from interview to interview. Um, so we're working on, on fixing that. Hmm. Cool. Well, yeah, I think it's a cool thing when you want to start a project and you do have the ability to do the entire thing yourself. I think, you know, for me, I'm not a web designer. I'm really not good at even web design stuff at all. Like I really relied heavily on um, Noah Stokes, who I think you guys know, um, mm-hmm. to help me out with the Life and Limb site and to get it synced up with like <laughs> iTunes and all that stuff. Um, and I had a friend who helped me out getting all the audio stuff set up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know, it's a cool thing that you guys have been able to really kind of tackle this project from day one, um, mostly on, on your own. Of course, there are other people that you've had come in and help or have contributed in certain ways, like the photography uh, on the site. Everybody's, you know, either contributes their own photo or um, they're everyone, I don't know, everyone's always got a really nice photo. So other people start to, you know, do things that make the great discontent possible. Um, sure. And did, now, Ryan, did you design the current site and the logo and everything, right? Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, so one thing I want to ask about, uh, once you guys got started and again, going back to 2000, late 2011, so great discontent still pretty young, but it's really caught on quickly. Um, what was the growth? Um, I guess, I don't say growth plan. That sounds so corporate, <laughs> but like, how did you guys get the word out? I mean, was it really an organic thing that, you know, you would interview one person and then they would share it with their audience and then so on and so forth until there started being like kind of a rhythm to that? Or were there any things that you did in particular to start getting people to know about it? Cause I think that's one of the most difficult things that face people starting new projects is how the hell do I get this in front of people? Yeah. I, what you said is basically true. It just happened pretty much organically. Um, I think we were fortunate uh, too when we started. When we started, we were fortunate to have a relationship with Dan Rubin and kind of got into the the web community, uh, you know, the web design community, which embraced this. Um, so I think that was a big, you know, like jump start from the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, but really, other than that, it's just been like organically growing. Like mm-hmm. you know, we just interview different people and with the various disciplines and they would, you know, share it with their followers and, um, you know, just all kind of happen really via Twitter for the most part. Yeah. I mean, like people follow along on Facebook now and stuff, but Twitter's kind of been the big thing that, uh, people shared. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of Twitter, uh, I want to give you a quote and I'll see if you, this, <laughs> this is me really reaching here. Uh, quote, getting organized, unquote. Do you know what that is? Getting organized? Yep. No, no idea. <laughs> May 26th, 2007. Nope. That's nope. your, that's your very first tweet. Oh my. <laughs> Can you still go back that far? And also, uh, apparently the waitress at Chili's said they evacuated the mall and it might've had something to do with the clouds. <laughs> I think my first tweet was probably something like, Ryan made me join this and it's, it looks stupid. I don't know what to do with it. 
Wait, how can you look up your first tweet? Um, I don't know. I just got I just got to know this stuff. You know, I've been saving it, planning on this interview since 2007. Oh, man. This is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is uh, I, I I just thought I was going to be bringing up Twitter and the use of the internet, and I was like, oh, I wonder when they got started on Twitter. And I just have to say, I'm impressed. You've been on Twitter since May 26, 2007. I'll send you um, the string of like variables you basically need to put into the search bar to go way back on Twitter um, and find real, real cool old stuff. But uh, yeah, so just wanted to, to let you know that the very first tweet you ever sent out said getting organized. And I wanted to know, did That's you ever really get sad. organized? <laughs> Probably not. Well, you, you did install Twitterific, so... I did. I do not use Twitter, Twitterific anymore. Well, if you guys ever want to do some really like hyper hyper prep for an interview and freak people out, you can. I'll, I'll send you how to do this, <laughs> and you can go way back and ask them questions about stuff they probably forgot that they posted like six years ago on on stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that I'm going to go back fun. and delete all of those now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry about that. I just had. I was like, oh, I should. Uh, at least it's not that getting organized. That's like the most typical Brian. first thing you could possibly put on Twitter. It's not that bad. It's like, I do not know how to use Twitter yet. <laughs> Brian's, Ryan's going to get organized and delete all those old embarrassing Yo, tweets. There's a lot of people whose first tweets just say, not much. Because, it, you know, it said like in light gray, it said like, what are you up to? Or what are you doing right now? And then I think that a lot of people's very first tweets went literal and they were like, uh, and then they just answered the question. And so their first tweets are nothing much, or I don't know, not not a lot right now, like slow day. <laughs> and then they figured out, oh, oh, that's just like uh, that's just like supposed to spur me on to tell you what I'm up to. Um, but uh, <laughs> all right, anyways, um, so interview prep, the internet, all that kind of stuff, transcribing. Um, you guys have really grown the great discontent over the years, and let's fast forward through. All the interviews you've done, I think, how many is it? 115 interviews or so, like something like that, is that you've done so far? Does that sound right? We're in, we're in 121. 121. Uh-huh. Well, those are the... Well, 121 issues. We probably have... It's like 118 interviews, I think, because yeah. few are just it's articles. Like there are four articles, I think, so... Right. Yeah. So I want to ask about the people that you guys have selected. So um, we've kind of laid the groundwork for how you guys got started and all that stuff. But I think a really cool thing about looking at archives of people who do interviews is it's really a reflection on the people who are doing the interviews more than it is a reflection of the people whose names you see, because I think it really says a lot about your taste and a lot about where you come from and a lot about your interests. Um, you know, you can tell a lot about people who do interviews by the people who they interview, I think. Um, and so I look back on here and I see um, David Bazan, who when I know you guys interviewed David Bazan, also known as Pedro the Lion, for people who don't know, he's a musician, a really fantastic one. Um, but then, you know, you've interviewed... Um, you know, geez, I'm, trying, I'm just looking through your list. There's people like myself, Tad Carpenter, um, you know, geez, I'm, I'm trying to just pick names here. Jessica Walsh, Darren <laughs> Booth, all designers, but then musicians, John Contino, like all these different people. Um, and so, I mean, is this a direct reflection on your guys' taste and you're interviewing people who you already know? Um, or do you feel like you're kind of constantly on the lookout for like new people to interview? Or like, where, do you, where does the list begin for the great discontent for people who, you know, you guys want to interview? Uh. I think it begins with a curiosity. I mean, there are people who we've interviewed that 
I've thought, man, I have always wanted to interview this person and learn more about them. But I think I'm always on the hunt too. So if I come across something or I'm talking with a friend and they mention someone and talk about their work and it intrigues me, then I think I have to remember that name. I need to write it down and do a little research later and see if there's someone we might want to interview. So I think it's a little bit of both. And some of the people we've interviewed are people we've known or like previously been in touch with. And others are people we've just emailed out of the blue and and asked for an interview from and they said yes. Yeah. I think it started just on a taste level though. Like when mm-hmm. we first started a few years ago, it was based around people's work that we admired or were just interested in. Um, and since then it's grown into what Tina said. Mm-hmm. And now I think we're more on the lookout, not only for people that, you know, uh, do really great work or do work that we're interested in, but who have a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, that's probably the, bigger arch right now is just finding people that like have a story to tell that would be intriguing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, one of those things where you interview the people who you would like to hear an interview with, you know, that's my thing is I, I, I want to talk to people and ask questions that I'm genuinely interested in. And I feel like if you ever have picks and you don't have to name names, but if you've ever interviewed somebody who you were like, you know, you just felt like almost you should, or like, they just like, oh yeah, they seem like someone we'd interview. And then you interviewed them and you were kind of like, all right, there's, there's another one in the bucket as opposed to one where you do. And then when you're done with it, you're like, oh, that was great. Like just so many good answers, so much fun. I think people will love that, you know? Um, and I think that happens. Anybody who interviews anybody, there's always kind of that, you know, there's some are good, some are okay. Some are awesome. Hopefully more of them are awesome than not. Um, but you just kind of roll with it. And, so I wanted to ask about the actual interviewing process for you guys as you're talking to people um, and about any awkward moments you may have had. And maybe we could start off by telling a little bit about, if you can, maybe I can't remember if you told me you'd rather not talk about this, so we'll beep this out. If I, but uh, Kate Bingham and Bert, tell me about that interview. Oh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. So okay. it's uh, I'm an open book. So Kate is amazing because I did the interview with her. And I think it was actually the first interview I did without Ryan. So he had me all set up, you know, all you have to do is like press these buttons to record and do the interview. So I'm like, yeah, I got it. This is going to be awesome. And we did the whole interview and it was wonderful, but I did not record. So (laughs) I, after the interview, I went to like grab the audio file and drag it into the folder. And I was like, Oh no, there's no audio file. Um, and my heart just sank. And I emailed Kate and she was so kind and she said, I'll do it again. We did it the second time. I double checked and made sure I hit record. And she said, oh, I I did way better this time. You know, I I just had one under my belt as practice. So (laughs) she was really gracious about it. Um, And ever since then, I've like been extra cautious about making sure that I'm recording. So um, that was the only one I missed. I was waiting for you to say ever since then, we've always done a practice interview and then the real interview. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Turned it into a really crappy discipline for you guys. Um, So any other things in particular? I mean, again, like the awkwardness is not so much on display as it might be Mm -hmm. here while I'm talking to you guys. Like this whole, you know, at any any moment when you're recording live, there could be something awkward, but with the, it doesn't come out in the written word quite as much. Um, But Mm -hmm. while doing video chats, have you guys ever had like, you know, 
someone wa- like you know a naked spouse walk by in the background not realizing there's like a video chat going or like uh <laughs> like uh ca- cat jumps on someone's face or eh, something like just awkward that was like oh okay uh mm. i can't think of anything i, I mean we've had a lot of anything. cat interruptions yeah. yeah you probably heard our cat earlier but <laughs> I did. our cat or the interviewee's <laughs> cat you know will jump in and make sure they're heard yeah but other than that i can't think of any no I, there's have never been any really awkward moments i think I think actually the most awkward moments happen when we do an interview in person yeah. and maybe we've never met the person before. Um, so like not only are you meeting someone in person for the first time, but then you're going to ask them really um, intimate questions about themselves. So it's like, you know, we take a few minutes and have some small talk and get to know them a little bit. Um, usually have a drink because that helps everyone loosen up and relax. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we get on with the interviewing part. So, yeah. but I mean, we've done a lot now. So I think, we're pretty comfortable with meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like pretty laid back and, and we're introverted as well. So I think, you know, I don't think we come across as overwhelming when we meet people in person. Hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you guys have a good demeanor and I think that helps. I think you set, you set the stage for the interview. I mean, the interview is going to be as good as you make it and you can draw a lot of stuff out of people. So yeah, you guys have a good way about you. And I think people are drawn to that. And I think that's why you've been very successful so far. Um, so let's kind of continuing on on that success and over the years of doing the greatest content and everything. Um, right now, you know, kind of fast forwarding all the way up to right now, you guys are uh, in the middle of a lot of changes at the moment. Um, I'm trying, I was trying to think of how to ask um, and just go right into all the stuff you guys have going on. Um, and I don't know how much you want to talk about being at, um, crush and lovely where you guys have been working. Um, but you recently, well, fairly recently moved from Michigan to New York. So let's start there. How has that transition affected the great discontent, um, going from Michigan to New York? Um, I think it was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's given us a lot of opportunities to meet more people in person than we would have in Michigan naturally. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big plus. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot easier to meet a ton of people here. I mean, there's always people coming in and out of New York and, uh, it makes it super easy to connect with people. Yeah. And I feel like it gives you a little bit more credibility too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Michigan, but it's just, it's one thing, you know, doing like a, a little side project in the Midwest and another doing it in a bigger city and it could be any bigger city, but I just feel like it gives, it gives it more credibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally understand that. But yeah, it's been a really great transition. I mean, like mm-hmm. we both grew up, like I said, we both grew up in Michigan and uh, had wanted to get out for a long time um, and landed here and uh, we both love it. Yeah. It's been awesome. That's great. Um, so right now, so you guys have gone through just over the last, like, <clears throat> I mean, when did you guys move? Is that a year, about a year ago or a little more than a year ago or? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've been in New York for a couple of years. You've worked kind of the day job stuff. You've done the great discontent as well. And you recently decided to really take the leap and start heading up the idea of the greatest content as a full time, like really, you know, take this thing to the next level thing. Um, and you're in the middle of, and I really wanted to save a good uh, kind of chunk of time to talk about this. You guys are in the middle of doing what I'm perceiving to be, I hope you feel this way too, a, a very successful Kickstarter campaign um, in which you've raised just over $46,000 just in the last 10 days alone. 
um, towards your $100,000 goal to put out the print publication of The Great Discontent. Um, so how's that been going? And uh, how are you feeling about the support and how overwhelming, I hope overwhelming and supportive wise, <laughs> has it been for you guys? I think we're still trying to catch up. It's been a mm-hmm. big whirlwind. It was just a couple couple few weeks ago that we um, kind of left Crush and that whole tra- transition happened. And we just jumped right into doing like all the prep work for this campaign. Mm-hmm. We'd already, you know, had started a lot of that while we were uh, still at Crush. And Tina at the time was doing a lot more than I was there. Um, so I think we haven't really had a chance to kind of wind down or kind of think through that whole transition. So... You know, then we when we launched a Kickstarter and there was a lot of, uh, you know, good buzz around that, which was super nice and, you know, really overwhelming at first. And since then, we've just been trying to to catch up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Agreed. So, I mean, it's it's been really exciting, but it's also hard to kind of process through everything because it's like, whoa, we this did actually happen. <laughs> right. So you guys wake up right now and it is eat, breathe, sleep, great discontent success, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's yep. this yeah. is it now, like really taking it to the next level. Now, where do you see, um, I mean, are, are there other facets than a print publication that would, um, you know, kind of complete in a way the great discontent as, um, as an entity? I mean, it, like what's the next level even beyond a print publication or beyond the current digital magazine format that you guys do right now? Like, are there any other things that you've had in mind that you'd love to extend it out to? Yeah. I mean, I'd say like the, First thing is just some of the general stuff that we haven't been able to get to over the past few years. Um, Since it is a pretty um, uh, time-intensive project, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really just kind of in a maintenance mode for the past few years and just kind of trying to keep up with the project. Uh Um, So, like, there's a lot of stuff with the website in general that, you know, we want to update. And like I said earlier, we want to do, like, a you know, more of an actual blog on the site so we can maybe do some other shorter interviews, um, and just kind of keep up with people that we have interviewed in the past. Um, so like, we're excited about that kind of stuff and we want to do, um, we have plans to start a, a podcast over the next several weeks. Um, and, um, really just kind of have it be more of an in-person thing. Mm-hmm. I have people over to our apartment and just talk about the, the week's interview and just kind of catch up with some stuff. So it'll be a little more laid back and chill. Sure. Um, but we think that'll be fun. And then also a big part of this year is we want to start doing more, uh, video stuff on top of the the print, uh, which uh, last year we released uh, our two minutes with TGD series. Yep, which is really just kind of a last minute thing that we uh, jumped into with uh, Brooklyn Beta a couple of years back, and uh, it was a really fun thing to to do. Mm-hmm. And we're still actually in the process of releasing the individual uh, edits from that, but we definitely want to do a lot more stuff, like even like you know, man on the street kind of stuff. Uh, especially being here in, uh, in New York. Right. Yeah. But I think in general, like focusing a little bit more on creativity in general, um, as opposed, like, I feel like we've gotten pigeonholed a little bit in the design and, uh, web sphere, uh, you know, which not really complaining about, but we'd like to have it focused a lot more just on creativity in general and have it be something that, um, more of a general audience can, can take from. Sure. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I get the same way too. I always want to kind of push back on, hey, this isn't a design thing. It's not just an art thing. It's creative. Because like my goal when I started this, like I said earlier, was the same as what you guys are saying. And um, I think 
then I have to remind myself, though, that the only, re- well, not the, you know, only, but a big reason why that it's this thing that I've been doing, and I'm sure you guys as well has had success is that whole community. And it is a big community, you know, just talking like art and design in general. Um, so I do feel like I've had to kind of accept like, there's nothing wrong with that. And if if nothing else, branching out and doing interviews with people that are a little more, I suppose, quote, unquote, left field, um, at least relative to the design crowd, um, will introduce those types of people to, you know, to those other people that maybe they don't know so much about. Um, so it is good to have like that core audience or that sort of core mm-hmm. following, I suppose, and then branch out from there. I've found anyways, um, has been fun, uh, for me to do so far. And I think, you know, you guys have been doing that as well. I, I do think, I mean, again, just from an outsider perspective on the great discontent, it does feel very, about creativity and about a deeper kind of like searching a little deeper on people uh, with people about what their lives are all about and stuff. And and I think that's why to me anyways, if I were just getting into design or if I were just getting into like creativity stuff in general on the internet, like the greatest content for me would be kind of like this Bible of, of, of content and of interviews with people that I would just turn to all the time. So kudos to you guys for having like accumulated so many interviews and really brought, you know, a lot of really great stuff out of people. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like the overall goal of the project over these years has really just been to inspire people to, you know, pursue the things that they're excited about uh-huh. on a creative level, Yeah. whether that's just as a hobby or as a profession, but to stop making excuses, learn from all these amazing stories from people that are just like you and go after and pursue that thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so early before we did this interview, I actually had talked to you guys about like there was one question I wanted to ask and I just said, hey, come up with a couple answers for this ahead of time <laughs> so you don't end up feeling like put on the spot because I've asked people questions where it's like, what's your favorite this or what would you do that? And it's like, oh, I don't I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> um, so I was really curious um, if you guys could just interview anybody, let's just, you know, agents or reps or whatever, or people or contacts be damned. And you could just interview anybody in history or whatever. Um, what, who would, who are like some of your dream interviewees for the great discontent? Who would you love to just hear from and ask questions of? Well, we do have a list. Should we just run through? Just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. If anybody's listening. <laughs> Well, I mentioned Barbara Walters earlier, and I have to say she's on my list because, you know, who wouldn't want to interview the interviewer? Right. That's what Um, I thought with you guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I also have Thomas Edison on my list. Now, that might seem kind of odd, but I lived in Port Huron, Michigan. I was born and raised there. And Port Huron is the boyhood home of Thomas Edison. I think it's his boyhood home because he he pretty much left as soon as he was old enough to do so. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I'm just, you know, I would be curious to meet someone else who came from where I came from and um, someone who's, you know, a a very well-known figure and contributed a lot. Uh, I have, let's see, Andy Warhol, um, just because I was obsessed with him when I was in high school. And, um, you know, I think it'd be really interesting and Anne Lamott, who is an author and writer who I absolutely adore. And um, I've been really bugging her manager and I'm just not sure it's going to happen. But <laughs> Anne, if you're listening, <laughs> I really want to interview you. Well, I'll tell you what, she's a big fan of the show. So maybe we'll see. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think 
so I did, I had five people. Well, actually it's more than the last, the last one is a pair of people. It's um, Johnny Cash and June Carter. And I would love, I would love to interview them and ask them about um, creative stuff, but also like what it's like to be in a relationship with another creative person. And, you know, how do you make that work over time? And um, I just think they had a really intriguing um, relationship on top of the fact that they were both super creative and just really amazing artists. Awesome. I think they would all make for really great interviews. <laughs> so I, I thought about your question and one of the things I've always struck, like my list has like all these either really famous people or sort of famous people. And the one thing I struggle with that is like when you interview someone that's really famous and especially when you're going through a backstory, like a lot of people already know that story. Mm -hmm. So right, I, yeah. I feel like it would be a lot more difficult to like have it not sound like they're just re regurgitating the same stuff. But that said, um, I would really be interested in interviewing like uh, Sofia Coppola. I think the whole Coppola family is just kind of interesting because it's just all this Hollywood stuff. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Mike Mills, uh, yeah. he did uh, Beginners, and then he has the whole like graphic design background, just kind of transitioned into mm -hmm. film, which is something that's really interesting to me. Um, let's see, other film, uh, Heath Ledger. Um, I was a big fan of Heath, and it was super sad to see him go. Uh, so I think he would have been super interesting. Uh, Natasha Khan, uh, Bat for Lashes. Uh, we saw her perform mm -hmm. at Webster Hall, like, was it last fall? I think so. Uh, she was so awesome. I think she'd be really cool. Uh, I don't know. I guess, like, older older people, maybe be like Jimi Hendrix. Uh, yeah, yeah that, it's amazing when you open up. my list, I think. Yeah, it's amazing when you open up the time capsule thing and just think mm -hmm. about who you would have liked to talk to. It's just, I mean, like... I, there's so, you know, there's just so many people who would be, have, you know, would have been amazing to talk to. Um, and obviously you can't now, but it's just kind of fun to think about like what you might ask them or what you might get out of them or whatever. I know you guys did do somewhat of a tribute post thing to Steve Jobs, correct? Yeah. People um, always say, they're like, wait, what? Steve Jobs? And they're like, oh, no. Yeah. I remember when I first saw it, I thought there has to be some other unfortunate dude whose name is Steve Jobs or something that I just don't know about. And he's just like, poor son of a bitch, like artist who just cannot get his name out there because Google's search results will never work in his favor. So, <laughs> but it was more of a, what was that again exactly? Like, how it did is it listed. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally cut you oh, off. Oh, no, no. It's fine. It's, I was just kind of asking you to just describe what that Steve Jobs post was kind of in the mix of all yeah. the other things. Well, we had we had planned to have an interview come out that week and we're like, shoot, we can't do that. So um, we ended up doing a tribute and we reached out to some of our friends and just kind of had them write about, you know, the legacy that he left or what his work meant to them. Cool. That's awesome. Well, yeah. maybe you guys can do that with some more more people just kind of on a uh, sort of just random basis with some of those people that you guys mentioned. Because I think it's cool like to mix in other stuff with your normal 
routine of like how you do interviews. Like I've done this, you guys are my 11th interview now. And so all my interviews have been one-on-one or one-on-two like this. And I've already started thinking about what other formats I could do. And I really want to do like a call-in thing where it's like radio show style and people oh, yeah. call in and we'll talk about whatever. I don't know. Like I'll have a, a guest host and if it's a musician type person, we'll talk music or design or just whatever. I mean, people do whatever. And I think, I think it's cool to sort of pepper in those sort of like sidebar type of posts or things that stray from the normal a little bit. So yeah, I hope you maybe guys... Maybe you guys do more stuff like that because I think it's really awesome. Um, yeah, we like to you now that we have more time on our hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay, so just to I, I want to give you set the stage just for you guys, kind of towards the end here, to just tell about what you guys are doing with your Kickstarter right now. Anybody who's listening to this who either hasn't donated yet to it or should know more about it, just kind of in a nutshell, like how would you? What's your pitch? What's your pitch to anybody to check out and donate to and support your uh, current Kickstarter campaign? Well, I guess we'll start first by saying where uh, TGD started, which was a desire for it to be an actual uh, printed magazine. Uh, That's kind of what we had dreamed about doing for several years, even back when we were dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when it came time to like, hey, we're actually going to do this, we had the concept for it. Um, it just made a lot more sense to do it on the web because, I mean, obviously it costs a lot to print something and like if you don't have an audience, distribution is really difficult. Uh, so I think we made the right decision when we first started in making it, you know, a web magazine. But now we want to get back to basically where we started, like the roots of the project, which is, you know, to have a physically printed uh, piece that people, you know, can take anywhere with them. They can give as a gift or um you know, have as, as an archive of this. And I think the, the neat thing with, uh, these issues now, uh, even though they're, they're interviews that we've previously published is that now we can pull them together into themes. Like this first issue is loosely based around, uh, leaps or like risks, uh, basically because of the stage of life that we're in right now, you know, we're pulling in a collection of, you know, the stories that we think fit that best and, you know, uh, communicate or encourage people to, you know, to take risks and to, to pursue those things. Awesome. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, it just like what Ryan's already touching on is the content that will be in the first issue. Um, so it's 15 interviews that we've chosen based on the theme of leaps, people who have also taken risks and know what that's like. Um, and even though the content has already been published online, we're refreshing it up a little bit. So we're doing updated images, um, updated, you know, portfolio pieces or work images, and we'll be updating the content as well. We're going to revisit the interviews with some of the people. So people will have a chance to update, um, you know, kind of like do some commentary on their interview, like look at some of the answers they gave, look at where they were in life and give some updates about what's happened since then and where they're at now and, and where they're headed. So I think that the content will still feel really fresh and I'm really excited to see it in print. Um, just doing the, just seeing the mock-ups that Frank made, um, was amazing because it's so different looking at the site online and then actually holding something in your hands, something that's tangible. It just got me really, really, really excited. And we're super, super, um, eager to make the magazine and get it into the hands of our readers. And really, I mean, preserve, preserve these interviews of this collection. Yeah. Uh, you know, like with the internet, everything feels so fleeting or that it can disappear at any moment. And 
you know, we plan to keep, uh, you know, the great discontent.com around for, you know, forever, whatever that means in internet terms. But this is a really neat way to preserve interviews. Um, and it's amazing too, like actually going through and like working with Frank and laying these out, uh, like how long these interviews actually are. Like, it's pretty amazing. Like the fact that uh, we're planning on doing a book between 240 and 270 pages, and that can only contain, you know, around 15 or so interviews. Yeah. Uh, is pretty crazy. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a very substantial magazine, you know, even between like, as far as like weight wise, it's going to be between like two and three pounds. So it's going to feel a little bit more like a, you know, a larger magazine or like a book, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is, I think it's going to make it a lot more special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, that's, I mean, I, I collect books. Like if I collect anything, it's books and even magazines <laughs> I've held on to over the years. And I just love, I mean, you know, and I think that's the same for all the people that you have uh, that you're, you know, compiling in for this first one and people who would follow The Great Discontent. I mean, like, I don't know, I, I've already seen the mock-ups and all that stuff in the Kickstarter and in the video that you guys made and everything. And, and it just looks like it could be a really beautiful um, thing. <laughs> I mean, it just looks awesome. And um, yeah, I think, I think uh, it's something that, like you said, to, pre- to preserve um, the interviews in a way that, you know, the interv- internet can, you know, preserve them, but putting it into a book form, I think really elevates, um, you know, the, the interviews and elevates the the quality and the content and everything to another level, it just really solidifies it. And there's, you know, nothing like really reading something still, you know, printed. And yeah, so um, you should definitely check that out. And uh, there will be a link to that right on the front of thegreatdiscontent.com. And uh, yeah, anybody who's listening, I feel like is I've realized about <laughs> in terms of like putting links in places, I've realized like people who are listening and stuff at this point, if you're listening to a podcast and you're interested at the, you know, people are pretty smart, can go find, you know, where to click and where to go and donate and do that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, you can pretty easily find the uh, Kickstarter link right now from thegreatdiscontent.com or from uh, on Twitter at Great Discontent. So go donate, check it out. And any other uh, final things you guys want to add on that? Um, I think the only thing is just that this is something that we, you know, uh, plan to continue to do. Um, you know, if people really get behind this and they show us that this is something they want, you know, they want TGD in print as much as we do. Um, we want to be able to do a couple of these a year and just continue to preserve interviews and just, you know, make it a really special a piece that people can collect and, you know, yeah. again, give us, give us gifts and just enjoy reading themselves. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. So, um, I think that's about it. I, I, I just am really, I was excited to, um, talk to you guys about interviewing and about what you're up to. And I wanted to, I, I mentioned earlier, a guy who does interviews, uh, named Nardwar, which again, I'm going to send it to you because you just have to watch and it's really amazing. Um, but I just wanted to, um, read a quote of his real quick. I think that's awesome. Just for anybody who's interested in the concept and like the art of interviewing. Uh, I read this while I was reading an interview actually with this, with that guy, Nardwar, um, about kind of what it is that he does and kind of the passion and stuff. And I just think it's awesome. And it's, it just says, um, he was talking about how his mom, uh, really taught him a lot about stuff. Cause she used to be interviewing people on like a local TV show. And he said, what my mom taught me basically was who, what, where, when, and how she also taught me that everyone has a story. You just have to find it. And most importantly, she taught me that it's the interviewer's job to make the interviewee excited to be there. And like, that's so simple and basic, but mm-hmm. I just thought like, 
Yeah, that last line, just it's the interviewer's job to make the interviewee excited to be there. And I think basically what you guys do is trying to find the best in people and to draw out um, excitement from them in order to inspire other people who are reading it. So um, yeah, I just wanted to end on a positive note and a celebration of interviews and a curiosity, I think is an awesome thing. <laughs> and keep on doing what you guys are doing because it's really awesome and exciting and um, just, yeah, just excited for what you guys have ahead. So Thanks, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to say uh, at the end here? Anything you want to promote besides the Kickstarter or anything at all, or just tell people your website or Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's just the the greatdiscontent.com. You can find all the interviews there. Uh, Twitter and Twitter's just great discontent. Um, And then I think Facebook and most of the others are either great discontent or the great discontent. Awesome. And I will make sure I send you a link or the instructions on how to go find those old tweets and you can go back in and, <laughs> and delete them if you want. But you have like 11,000 tweets. So good luck. Really yeah, scrubbing. Yeah. Just delete all of them. <laughs> yeah, just set aside, uh, you know, a couple of days and, and you'll make some progress. And whatnot. I don't even want to go look at mine. I don't even know what my first one was. I'm sure it's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways. Well, thank you guys very much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll be paying attention to the Kickstarter and following that along and and everything. So thanks again. Really appreciate you guys joining me. Of thanks for having us. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.